Rinkwide Vancouver. Unhappy with the way they defended against the New Jersey Devils, the Vancouver Canucks vowed to be better against Minnesota. And they were as they shut out the Wild 2-0 the final at Rogers Arena. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. It's brought to you by Betway Jeff Patterson, along with Irfan Gaffar. And Casey DeSmith gets his first shutout of the season. He remains perfect in his career against this Minnesota Hockey Club. Now 5-0 as the Vancouver Canucks get a late goal in the first period after a sluggish start. And then they doubled their lead early in the third. That was it for scoring, so not nearly as high event as Tuesday against the New Jersey Devils. But something tells me, Irf, that the Canucks are just fine with that. Just kind of slow it down a little bit and at the end of the night, grind out the victory. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that they'll be fine with that first period, though, Jeff. That was... Let's give all the credit and give Casey DeSmith his flowers because he was the reason, if not the only reason, the Vancouver Canucks were still in this game after the first period. Outshot 12-4. to The Canucks looked lethargic. They were pinned in their own end. They couldn't get a shot. They couldn't get a shot attempt after the first 10 minutes of that period. And it looked like if the Minnesota Wild had the talent that the New Jersey Devils did up front and they were able to put the puck in the net, this game could have been over. But they don't. And the Canucks ended up finding a way. I mean, led by obviously Casey DeSmith. And then you end up getting goals from Niels Hoaglander. And then being able to ice the game and and put it away when they did. But yeah, that first period, Jeff, that's going to be something that they're going to look at and want to erase immediately. You're right. Against higher powered offenses, the Canucks probably are down a couple of goals. But Casey DeSmith's job is to stop pucks. And he did that. The Wild had a 10-0 shot advantage, and you could tell the people were getting a little uh, edgy at Rogers Arena because it took until the 13-18 mark of that opening frame for the Canucks to muster the first shot on goal. It was from Ilya Mikheyev after Elias Pettersson sort of chipped the puck to him off the left wing. Mikheyev got a decent shot away and a pretty good Bronx cheer (laughs) from the faithful there. They were entertained on Tuesday, even in the losing cause. There were 11 goals scored. You started to wonder if there were going to be any goals scored in this hockey game. But with just under two minutes to go, Nils Hoaglander down the right side, delayed. And I know he doesn't figure on the scoring here, but props to Nikita Zadorov, who covered a ton of ground, streaking from his own end right up the gut, takes a defender with him. And, of course, at his size, taking the eyes of the goaltender away, and Nils Hoaglander with a well-placed shot, But I'm not sure that goal happens if Zadorov's not doing the center drive there. But Nils Hoaglander holding the hot stick. Urf scored five goals now in his last 11 hockey games. And so I think we can put the storyline to bed about is Nils Hoaglander an NHLer, a regular, an everyday guy in this lineup. He has to be in this lineup for the Vancouver Canucks because he's one of the guys that's producing with some regularity. They need him. And I think that that's the crazy thing when you look at it. And, you know, there's a lot of talk before this season as to what his role would be on this club. You know, he gets healthy scratched as well. You know, he's got the what really are you in training camp from Rick Tockett. And, you know, I got to give him some credit because you can very easily, you know, hide in a shell and, and you know, just go about your business and kind of maybe get into games and, and, and do things. But he's worked. He's put in the work. He's put in the work after practice. He's put in the work with Daniel and Hendrick City. He's doing the things that he needs to do to earn the trust from his head coach. And by all accounts, it's reaping every benefit and, and fans can see it. I mean, he finds himself in the right place at the right time. He's scoring goals. He's relied upon it in his own end as well. And I think that those are the things that, you know, if you're Rick Tockett and you're looking in your lineup and it's a very tight hockey game, we talked about this last game, who's going over the boards? It's, it's going to be 21, right? If if other players aren't playing well. 
Now, we we're probably going to get into this, and obviously number 96 for the Vancouver Canucks, but Niels Hoaglander is doing the things that he needs to do, like you mentioned right there, to, to be an everyday NHLer because this team needs him. Yeah, there would be plenty of time here on Required to talk about yeah. Uh, yeah, other individual performances, but let's stick with Hoaglander for a sec because on that sequence that leads to the one nothing goal, if you go back moments before, Niels Hoaglander beats out an icing call, gets in on the forecheck, and tried to feed it back to JT Miller, and it was just out of his reach, and the puck came outside the zone, and it sort of felt like a missed opportunity, but the Canucks went out, they regrouped, and then the next time up ice, there's Hoaglander uh, getting a little help from teammates. Uh, Besser and Myers get the assists, and as we said, Zadorov doesn't figure in the scoring, but plays a role there, but I just thought that was a, a really good sequence for Nils Hoaglander that, you know, the first time, the hustle was on display, it didn't amount to anything, but he stuck with it, and on the same shift... Uh, ends up opening the scoring, his ninth goal of the year. And I have to correct myself because I said he had five in his last 11. He's got six goals in his last 11. So better than a goal every other game here, really, for the last month. And, you know, he wasn't done on the night because in the second period, he and Brock Besser break in two-on-one with about six minutes to go. It's a one-on-one hockey game. And you're thinking... Uh, this is a great opportunity. Unfortunately, the way that he's been playing, he probably I know that it's the hottest goal scorer in the NHL, the <laughs> league's leading goal scorer over there, but maybe you look better off there. Unfortunately, a little too much sauce on that pass, a little bit uh, of air under it, and it didn't land flatly for Brock Besser, so the chance goes awry. But still, <laughs> I like the idea of those two. I mean, just the way that those guys are going right now and the way that they're playing, I uh, kind of figured that puck was going to find its way into the back of the net. It was just a question of who was going to score the goal. Unfortunately for them, uh, it didn't amount to an awful lot. But for as bad as the first period was, or at least the first 10 minutes, the goal obviously gives the Canucks some life. The crowd's into it now. But man, I'll, I'll give them credit. Like They turned the tables in that second period. Canucks got outshot 12-4 to in the first period. The shots were 10-4 to in the second, aided by a couple of power plays that didn't yield goals, but I'm still trying to figure out how JT Miller missed those two opportunities, bang, bang, in succession from different sides of the net, but uh, the Canucks were all over the wild in that second period. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing about this Vancouver Canucks team. It's, you know, we're going to go back to their record and look how they've alternated wins and losses for the last 10 games, right? And then you look at this team, so, well, why can't you have that second period, mm-hmm. and why can't you do that for three periods? Like, you know, you you were able to do that at some point in the season and they're able to turn it on when they want to. And I think that if you're Rick talking to your coaching staff, that's probably the most frustrating thing about your team right now is you have first periods like you did and then you go in the second and you absolutely dominate. Like the Wild were lucky the Canucks didn't score at least two or three goals, especially you just mentioned JT Miller on the power play. He had four shots on the night. And I mean, he was their high ice time guy for uh, among forwards over 22 minutes. But I just think when you're this team and you're you have the ability to turn it on, it's the inconsistencies that are so frustrating if you're the coaching staff. Yeah, I looked through my notes in that second period. Boy, JT Miller's all over yeah. it. The, earlier in the period, uh, a rebound. Tyler Myers shot off the end boards, came to Miller. He had a great look there. We talked about Hoaglander to Besser. Teddy Bluger was set up from Dakota. Joshua had a great chance there. And then uh, Joshua got into that scrap with Jacob Middleton on the same play. And then the lengthy delay with the glass. I guess the curved glass is tougher to replace. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's just uh, physics. That makes some sense, I suppose. And just sticking a, a flat piece of glass. in whatever the case, that delay felt like it went forever. And I'm not sure that momentum swung one way or the other. It's the same delay for, for both teams late in that second period. But then the Canucks had the power play. And we talked about Miller... The cross-crease pass from Besser and then Miller on that other side. Go back to the early stages of that second period. 
Connor Garland setup by Quinn Hughes, point blank. And you're starting to wonder if Connor Garland's ever going to score again. Yeah, I agree. But I don't want to get the knives out because I thought this was another night where Connor Garland was remarkably effective, and we haven't got to the third period yet where Connor Garland sets up Teddy Bluger, so we can go there. You know, the Canucks take a one nothing lead to the locker room after 40 minutes, but they had me feeling a whole lot better about things than they were after that opening period, and then they come out and they get the goal that extends the lead, and that's the one that they needed, obviously. I mean, the way DeSmith was playing, maybe they could have milked a, a one thing lead across the finish line, but a little bit of breathing room there. Good work by Noah Juleson and Dakota Joshua at the line to hold the line, keep the puck in. They get it to Garland, and, you know, there's Teddy Bluger behind the defense and give him a little breakaway. I mean, this is sort of a mini breakaway, not like the one in Seattle when he scored his first goal as a Canuck, yeah. but, I mean, the guy in tight, he's a finisher. It was a little shake and bake, right? And it was quick. Like, he slammed on the brakes, brought a backhand forehand, and was able to, you know, wrap it around Gustafson. But that play that, obviously, Juleson keeps it in, but that pass from Garland was ridiculous. Like, I think the, there was an angle that was showed on, on the broadcast where it was like an overhead behind the angle from, obviously, behind the Canucks net, and you could just see him look up, and it was just a dart right across the ice onto the stick of Bluger. And you got to give Connor Garland credit. I mean, obviously the way that this season started for him and the trade requests and the changing of agents and everything, you know, he's kind of kept his mouth shut and did some work. Now I agree. He probably should be scoring a little bit more for how much money he's being paid, Jeff, but it's the other things like drawing penalties. It's oh. getting elbowed in the face every other game <laughs> or a high stick or the butt end of a stick or something like that. He's getting hit and you can see him slowly start to get rewarded with assists. I do think a goal is going to come, but it's everything else that he's doing. You know, he's throwing hits. He's a little guy. He doesn't do that too much or too often. So if you're the Vancouver Canucks and if you're Rick Tockett, you got to be pleased with the performance of, I think, your bottom six forward group today because we talk so much about the top six and how good they are and how much they can dominate games. But this one was led by, you know, your role players and your backup goalie. And if you can do that on some nights and you can give your starters and your big guns some rest and still manage to grind out some hockey games like you mentioned right off the top, then I think you're in an okay position. Yeah, I mean, let's just kind of go through Connor yeah. Garland's night because you're right, John Merrill elbows <laughs> Connor Garland. I mean, he takes one right off the chops there, but the Canucks get an early power play in that second, and that started to get the ball rolling, even though they didn't score in the second period. Most of that period spent in the Minnesota end, and I think you can track it back to getting an early power play, and that was Garland that draws the penalty. We talked about the chance that he had from Quinn Hughes. Uh, that line had a couple of shifts where they look dangerous, they hem, and this is what they're doing. Again, there hasn't been a huge bottom line. Bluger does score tonight, so it was nice to see them rewarded. But what they're doing is spending the bulk of their shifts in the offensive yeah. zone, grinding down opponents, wearing down defensemen, tiring out the other team, and then you hope that your stars can get out over the boards and take advantage of those situations. But really, Garland was just getting started in that second period because uh, the pass that he makes to Dakota Joshua on the breakaway, seven minutes to go, would have been icing on the cake the way the game went. It would have made it 3 nothing, and the Canucks would have been home and cooled there. Uh, not that we talked about Teddy Bluger showing some nice finish. Not so much for <laughs> Dakota Joshua. Gets in behind the defense all alone, and not sure I mean, what happened. We're not letting, we're not going to let Brock Besser off the hook either, because, you know, that's another least, one that probably. Yeah, least, but he had a post. He beat true. the goaltender. He just didn't beat the Dakota tried to wrap around the net. I just, it was just, <laughs> it, looked, it looked very, it looked like Dakota Joshua wasn't the guy that they wanted to have getting that breakaway pass, but obviously the fight and everything that else happened. But yeah, Connor Garland, I mean, he was just involved. 
And I think that that's one of the things that you can notice him, you know, game in and game out now. He's just being involved. And I think that that's a big thing, much much like Niels Hoaglander. I mean, he's obviously being rewarded by putting the puck in the net, but they're guys that they're needing to get involved are more often than not. Besser's got his sh- more than his share of bounces already this year with his goal total at 18, but would love that one against his hometown, home state team, the Minnesota Wild. I know that uh, there was some media attention there again this morning around him, and it's always going to be there. I mean, Minnesota mm-hmm. kid, the one that got away from the Wild uh, back in his draft year. Uh, and of course, uh, we all remember the story. His debut turns pro. His parents are there reading out the lineup, and he scores in his NHL debut. This is kind of funny. As I was just flipping through the game notes today, Minnesota had won eight straight. The Canucks had not beaten the Minnesota Wild in regular season play since before the pandemic. Of course, they beat them in the, the play-in series later that year, but you had to go back to January of 2020. So it had been a long time coming for the Vancouver Canucks to defeat uh, the Minnesota Wild in regular season play. And Brock Besser, who scored, as we said, in his NHL debut, his first ever game at XL Energy Center, and you're thinking, this is, you know, this guy was drafted to do this and to score goals, and he has scored a lot of goals, and obviously this year he scored more goals than anybody in the National Hockey League. But in his career against the Minnesota Wild, this is his 14th game. Scored in his debut. He's only scored one other goal. (laughs) So he hasn't necessarily had the, the Midas touch against the Minnesota Wild, and maybe he's due, uh, but he's going to have to wait until uh, the next time they meet, which is uh, next weekend. The Canucks out on the road. Uh, they'll stop in mini, but yeah, I mean, gets him behind the defense and uh, beats Gustafson back in post, and this time it stayed out. So yeah. goal total remains at 18. Yeah, but he's fun- still in the league lead. No, I mean, that, well, that's the crazy thing. He's still in the league lead. And it's funny, it's, okay, well, you know, you, you'd think Brock Besser on a breakaway. I mean, he's probably shooting, took glove side. Like right hand yeah. shot, he's coming down. He's probably going glove. He pulled it back at. I was like, whoa, this is <laughs> this is a different guy here. He worked on his hands this summer, right? So, I mean, yeah, you're and you're definitely right about the Minnesota and 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 everything there because when Brock's name was brought up in trade rumors for the last four or five years, where was the one team <laughs> that every single time we talked about it or people talked about it or any you know hockey assembled members of the hockey media talked about it? It's Minnesota. He's going to Minnesota. They have a deal in place. They're sending this person. They're sending that one. Well, oh, he's still a Canuck. I remember talking to him one time and he goes, I made it through another trade deadline. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> home. Obviously, they're happy to get a win. And yeah, that's a surprising one. Only one goal against the Minnesota Wild for Brock. Canucks, I mean, they get outshot badly in the third period. Were they hanging on? I don't know if they were hanging on. Did they sit back? I think it's probably safe. You know, once they're at 2-0, obviously this is a Minnesota team that's responded to the coaching change. Uh, They're starting to get some saves. Uh, They'd won four in a row since they replaced Dean Everson with John Hines. So uh, first loss for the new head coach, four-game win streak comes to an end. They have the quick turnaround and have to go into Edmonton tomorrow. So that's going to be a difficult one for them uh, to bounce back from. But when you look at the night, I mean, the final shots are 26-17. If you're the Canucks, yeah, you'd like a few more shots along the way and just three in that third period. But, like, was Casey DeSmith under siege in the third period? I wouldn't say so. No. You know, Joel Erickson had a wraparound with about four minutes to go, and DeSmith was able to get across and make the save there. There were a couple of other opportunities. Zuccarello had the... They set him up for the big slap shot, but actually JT Miller got in front of that one and deflected it up out of play. Teammates in front of DeSmith helping him out. But as I look through my notes, Connor Dewar coming down the left wing with about five minutes to play, got a decent look. But again, that's a stop that a goaltender should make. And Casey DeSmith did that and, of course, uh, stopped all 26 shots that he faced. So, you know, he was good, but I think even he would tell you that 
48 hours removed from a fire drill all night long <laughs> against the New Jersey Devils that the guys in front of the goaltender stepped up. I think there was a little bit more of that uh, adherence to structure that we heard so much about through training camp in the preseason and those first 10 games when the Canucks were rattling off results. So I like the way the guys played in front of Casey DeSmith, but ultimately, you know, goaltender's there to make some saves and to bail guys out if uh, there are some breakdowns. And there were a few along the way. But that's a good night. And Casey DeSmith's been a great story for the Vancouver yeah. Canucks. I mean, you want that from a backup to spell off your starter. His fifth victory now, so he's 5-2-1 and one in uh, you know the games that he has come in and, and played for the Vancouver Canucks. So he's been a nice addition to this hockey club. He's been a great addition. I mean, if he keeps playing the way that he does, and Thatcher Demko if he keeps playing the way they do, you go Jennings, you look at that and you say, I mean, even right now, you look across the league and you go, you know, he might be making a case to be one of, if not the best backup in the National Hockey League right now. And also, I mean... You mentioned the way the fire drill was the last game, and then you come into this game, the structure. But, you know, what's the old saying, Jeff? It's you always play better for your backup, a little bit harder for your backup goalie. So they knew what they had to do. They had to lock it down. Smith was good when he had to be. I don't think he needed to be spectacular. I think that, you know, he he made saves. He made timely saves when he needed to. There wasn't any big flashy saves, but, you know, for him to be able to come in and, and get a shutout after, you know, they got a lot of goals, pulled a lot of pucks out of the back of the net, says a lot about Casey DeSmith. Like you just mentioned, he's been a really nice story for the Canucks this season, and he keeps getting rewarded because he keeps racking up these wins. Yeah, and I'm sure like the team in front of him, he was kicking himself, uh, hadn't played since that loss to the lowly San Jose Sharks back at the end of November, and that was a one uh, oh, a game, obviously, that he wanted and the Canucks wanted. Didn't happen, but uh, DeSmith had actually lost his last two starts in Calgary and in San Jose, so he hadn't played at home in a while and uh, hadn't tasted victory for a little while as well, but snaps out of that with a 26-save shutout. So good on Casey DeSmith. We'll get to our rink-wide Vancouver three stars a little bit later on here, and I think uh, you will hear his name. Uh, we'll leave a little suspense as far as uh, where he falls in the three stars and who joins him on that list. Still ahead, we'll get inside the locker room. Uh, we'll hear from DeSmith, uh, hear from the head coach, I would imagine, in a better and probably uh, more talkative mood than the other night when he lasted about three minutes at the podium. We'll see if there are any Andre Kuzmenko questions for him. We'll talk a little bit more about Kuzmenko. We'll get to the stat that stands out. We'll get some listener feedback from our social channels at Rinkwide Van and uh, whatever else we can squeeze in. But right now, it's time for our Betway Bet of the Day. And I mentioned a moment ago that uh, quick turnaround for the Minnesota Wild uh, back to Alberta, so they lose an hour. Uh, they probably didn't dig that lengthy time delay with the, the broken glass uh, that needed to be replaced because every minute matters now as they uh, leave Rogers Arena, they go to Rogers Place, and that's a hornet's nest right now. The Oilers have uh, figured things out after their week off, big win over Carolina, and I think you hammer the Oilers right now. Not if you're Minnesota. I'm talking about uh, the Betway bet of the day here. You can get the Oilers at plus 157 on the money line, and uh, the way that they're rolling now against a Minnesota team that probably turns to Marc-Andre Fleury, the veteran backup, the flower. We'll see if he's up to the challenge against Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the Oilers. So that's your bet way. Bet of the day must be 19 years of age or older. Please play responsibly. The Vancouver Canucks uh, defeat the Minnesota Wild by a score of 2-0. Hoaglander and Bluger, the goal scorers for Hoaglander, his ninth of the year. Bluger, his second and his first as a Canuck on home ice. Casey DeSmith, 26 saves for the goose egg. 2-0 the final. You're listening to Rinkwide Vancouver. Well, if you've listened to Rinkwide Vancouver in the past, you know that uh, we give you our analysis in that opening segment, and then we like to hear from the players and the coaches that were involved in the hockey game. And so 
after the Canucks defeat the Wild by a score of 2-0. Earth. Let's uh, hear from Rick Tockett. Uh, he was a little testy the other night. <laughs> you know, usually he has been more than generous with his time. You know, we'll stand in there and answer just about every and all question that uh, any media member has for him. He can understand. I mean, give up the lead after the comeback the other night. Uh, he knew questions about Kuzmenko were coming. Uh, sounded like he was in a little bit better mood, uh, obviously, as his team comes out on the right side of the 2-0 victory. Here was Rick talking, just talking about uh, a tough win for his hockey club tonight. Yeah, so that's a hard-fought game. That's, they, they won, that team's won four or five in a row. We have to play a certain style, and they were a hot team. We got to do the same thing. You know, you got to be above a guy. You know, we got to be smart pinches. You know, you got to clear the net. Like, those are hard things to do. And as much as I love the game tonight, we got to wipe it clean and come to work tomorrow and be ready for Carolina. You know, tough game. So it's hard to be consistent. It's really hard to do the, those little things every time. I think it's probably one of the best I've seen our team change, too. I loved our changes tonight. I thought the shifts were 30, 35. I didn't see an extended set. I think that helped us win the game. So, But once again, it's hard to do, right? It's, you know, you got you to gotta do it again. And he mentions right off the top there, Minnesota had won four in a row. We said that, the coaching change. Uh, they weren't going to win them all, but uh, they have responded since John Hines took over. And... Again, they got the start they were looking for. They just couldn't beat Casey to Smith. So Rick Tockett knows that his team got better as the night went along, but uh, they are going to have to be better still uh, on Saturday against Carolina. Was it an ugly win? Like they, they didn't win ugly. They won the game, but I like you know, I, other than the first period for them, I, I wouldn't call it one a, a, an ugly win per se. But they did what they needed to do to win. I think. Yeah, I, I think on the whole, they got better as the night went yeah. along. You're right; those first 15 minutes, but. Again, better teams would have pounced on the Canucks. So in some ways, they dodged the bullet early and then found their game and were pretty good, I thought, over the final 40 minutes and one of, if not the best line on the ice for their anchor. And this has been the case in other games as well. Not a whole lot to show for it some nights, but uh, Teddy Bluger gets the the insurance marker uh, set up by Garland and Joshua. So that line coming through and Rick Tockett was just asked about the play of Bluger, Garland, and Joshua. I think hash mark down is what they're, at their best. You know, I think... Uh... Dakota's, you know, the way he's been playing for us where he's getting a lot of loose pucks and then Garland's feeding off him and then hash mark down. And then Teddy plays that safety valve for us. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, I think it's a chemistry line where they're just hash mark down. They're really good. That's where they get a lot of their chances is hash mark down. Uh, very rarely to the last, in the last 10 games, I don't see, when we do those game reviews, very rarely that line's on from it. Like, in our D zone making mistakes, they're, they're pretty mistake free. So yeah, that's because they play the hash mark down game, which is which is important for our team. Yeah, some high praise from the coach there from the hash marks down. Loves the way that they're controlling these hockey games, and uh, you know you want to think that if they just keep playing this way, that better things are going to happen. Connor Garland has to wonder some nights if he is ever going to score again <laughs> in the National Hockey League. But you know, sort of their superpower is that they don't get scored on. So on the nights when they don't contribute offensively. They're not getting torched defensively. And then a night like tonight, they're able to chip in with some offense. That's Rick Tockett kind of patting himself on the back saying structure. They're, <laughs> they're, they're doing exactly what I'm telling them to do, right? You know, you, you go on the offensive end and you get your chances and hopefully you're able to capitalize, but you're not being put out there to score goals, but you're being put out there to make sure that teams don't score on you. And I think that that's a very positive thing for that line. And they've been showing it recently of late that they're able to do that. And if he depends on them, he has no problem throwing that line out. 
Well, it'll be interesting to see when we see Casey DeSmith next. Thatcher Demko had been on a run of eight of nine, so it was time to see DeSmith, and I think this was a game that they had circled for Casey DeSmith, but you know, with this kind of performance early in the season, the way that he performed, he earned more starts than I think a lot of people thought that uh, we would see from the backup, and you know, this kind of thing is going to certainly help his cause. Now the Canucks, uh, three more at home. I don't know if we see him again on the homestand, but they do have a back-to-back out of the road trip against Minnesota and Chicago. So I would have to think that he gets one of those. That might be the next time we see him. But this is the life of a backup goaltender in the National Hockey League. When you have a stud number one, you know that you're not going to see the net an awful lot. you got to be ready when you get that tap. And DeSmith was, and uh, this was uh, his thoughts on the shutout performance. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice to, you know, I haven't played in a while. It was nice to just kind of get some action early on, get in the flow of the game, uh, and then the team took over from there. I thought, obviously, our second two periods were really good, um, better than the first. And, um, you know, that's that's a great win to kind of finish it out the way we did. And he mentioned it right there off the top that, uh, you know, he hasn't played an awful lot of late. Again, that's a function of Thatcher Demko. (laughs) But Demko was looking like he was showing some signs of fatigue here, and certainly wasn't at his be- and was not at his best against New Jersey the other night. So uh, arrested that Demko, I think gets you know conventional hockey wisdom. A lot of times, a guy pitches a shadow, you come right back to him. I doubt that that happens if you're uh, Casey DeSmith. So I think you just stay ready for whenever you get that next opportunity. Yeah, I think going hockey night in Canada, you're probably <laughs> going Demko. The Luongo night, you're probably going Demko. I think he plays Minnesota that day game. Yeah. I, I really do. I think you want to give Demko a break. You traveled. You're probably going to play Thursday night. Travel Friday, Saturday day. You know DeSmith's going to be ready. You can circle that one down. You just beat this team 2 nothing. So that might be one, you know, obviously a little bit over a week, but that might be one where, you know, you look at it and say this could be an, another DeSmith game. And we've talked a lot about Connor Garland, and the coach was talking about Connor Garland as well. Let's hear from Connor Garland, who gets the primary assist on the Teddy Bluger goal that makes it 2 nothing, rounded out the scoring. But Garland was, uh, he had his fingerprints all over this hockey game, was involved, as he is most nights. Nobody's ever questioning the effort with this guy, but you want to think that that effort is going to translate to some sort of bottom line at some point. Uh, but Connor Garland says, hey, the goals and things, those are gravy. Uh, the priority remains playing responsible hockey. Yeah, it's not even just the forecheck in the ozone. It's also neutral zone, like being above and, and pushing two and making sure we're skating. We're a better team when we're skating. And, you know, we just kind of keep doing quick ups and just make it hard on teams to get into our zone. And, and then, you know, obviously it translates to being in their zone more. So um, I think, uh, yeah, once once we kind of we started pushing more, and, um, you know, I think that they had a hard time with that. There you go, Connor Garland and uh, his line doing their thing again, helping the Vancouver Canucks in this 2-0 victory over the Minnesota Wild. It is time now for our rink-wide Vancouver three-star selection, the three stars in the building, Casey DeSmith with the shutout. Connor Garland was the second star, and Niels Hoaglander gets the third star honors. Again, I like Garland's night, but Niels Hoaglander opens the scoring. Mm -hmm. It turns out to be the game winner. So I go to Smith as the number one guy. Give him his... uh, Props here, Casey DeSmith, first star honors. And then I've got Hoaglander as the second star, and Garland is star number three. Yeah, no, I agree totally on that. DeSmith, after not playing for quite some time, able to pitch a shutout unbeaten in his career against yeah. the Minnesota Wild, which is another reason why I think they're going to go back to him there in Minnesota. Connor Garland, uh, you know, the way that he's been playing, you know, the, the third star there. And like you just mentioned, I mean, you scored a game-winning goal. You should be a little bit higher up that list as as this game's second star. And we'll do the three stars again after the next uh, Vancouver Canucks game on Saturday against the Carolina Hurricanes. Hey, if you're looking for a gift for that hard-to-buy person on your Christmas list, uh, check this out. You could be a multi-millionaire for just 100 bucks 
With your VGH Millionaire Lottery tickets, you get in to win one of 10 grand prize options, including home packages in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland, the Okanagan, Vancouver Island, or you can take $2.7 million in tax-free cash. Don't forget to get your 50-50 plus tickets. Win half of BC's biggest jackpot. It can grow to $2.4 million. Early buyers win more, including bonus draws and 51 early bird draws. We all need VGH, and VGH needs you. Every ticket purchase supports VGH and UBC Hospital Foundation. With your millionaire lottery tickets, you're supporting more than just hospital care. You're supporting you and your loved ones who need it the most. Order your tickets toll-free at 1-888-445-5825. You can do so in person at London Drugs or online at millionairelottery.com. 19 plus to play. Know your limit. Play within it. The Vancouver Canucks defeat the Minnesota Wild by a score of 2-0. We've got our stat that stands out. We'll get some listener feedback from you as well. And uh, talk about uh, Andre Kuzmenko, a guy that we talked a lot about uh, on the last rink wide. Not as much conversation, but we will get inside and go under the hood on Kuzmenko's night that, uh, again, left you wanting more. And I'm sure it left the coach wanting more as well. But this is a night where the Canucks win. So it uh, really is sort of a, a back burner story on this night. 2 nothing. Canucks over the wild. Casey DeSmith, the shutout. This is rink wide, Vancouver. Continuing to break down this 2-0 Canuck victory over the Minnesota Wild. Jeff and Nerf with you here. Required Vancouver. Let's get to the stat that stands out. Nerf, this one uh, kind of quiet. Sometimes we have these big, bold, brash. I mean, the Canucks have thrown so many numbers on the board individually and collectively with the start that they've had and the performances from a number of players. This stat stood out to me in this hockey game, though, because the penalty kill has become a talking point. It has uh, been backsliding here. What's the best way to make sure that uh, you're not getting chewed up on the on the power play or on your penalty kill? Don't take penalties. <laughs> Canucks were disciplined. They took more major penalties in this hockey game than they did minor penalties. There were a couple of scraps, so it was a little bit spirited. Uh, the late one, including uh, Zadorov and, and Patrick Maroon. Maroon taking a little frustration out. But two fights and just the one minor penalty, it was Ian Cole in the first period, and the Canucks were able to kill that off. Uh, Joel Erickson had a pretty good chance on the doorstep of the power play. Uh, but again, Casey DeSmith doing what he did all night long. But I just think that, you know, that's the best way to relieve the pressure on your penalty killers who are taking some heat right now. Stay out of the box. So uh, sort of a low-key stat that stood out to me. Just one power play for this Minnesota Hockey Club tonight. Low event, yep. right? It, it was a very low event hockey game, to be completely honest. There weren't many. There weren't that many shots combined uh, from both teams. There obviously weren't that many goals. The not that many penalties and, you know, two fights, like you said. So it was a little spirited. Maroon-Zadora fight, maybe not so much, but <laughs> the I think the other one, maybe a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, if you're the Vancouver Canucks and you don't take penalties, that's probably, you're probably going to win more hockey games than you're going to lose. And and I think that staying disciplined is is something that, you know, they're, they're trying to preach. You know, you don't get your stick caught in the wrong places. You know, you're not throwing hits too high or, or playing careless or undisciplined hockey. And if they're able to grind out wins like this, you know, be able to beat teams, you know, 2 nothing, one nothing, 3-1, 3-2. I think that that's, that's a sign of this team being able to mature a little bit. Like, he can easily score five, six goals and go up against the best of them. Like we talked about before, I think I did one of these shows, where they can run and gun with the best of them. But if you can grind it out, you can play disciplined hockey in front of your backup goalie and still get a shutout at home and on home ice, then then I think you're doing something right. We talked about Hoaglander Bluger scored the goals, like, Besser's not on the score sheet. And, well, he got an assist on the Hoaglander goal, but doesn't add to his goal total. Miller, pretty quiet night of thought for Elias Pettersson for the most part. 
but I'm with you. It's a long yeah. season. It's 82 games. If you are going to be a playoff team, you're going to have some nights where the stars are either held in check or they just don't have it. And if that next level of players can provide the offense and your backup goaltender can come through, like this is a good win. This is a, just, it's one, you, you take those two points, add them to the collection. Canucks have 35 points now in the standings. Uh, they're 17-9-1 in the year, 9-3-1 on home ice. So that home ice record, uh, you know, it's something they bounce back from the loss to New Jersey. And at some point, this cycle of alternating wins and losses is going to end. And now they've <laughs> given themselves a chance to end it by backing this one up with a win on Saturday against a Carolina team that is uh, reeling now, lost in Calgary, got shelled in Edmonton. They've lost three straight. They have one win in their last five. And, you know, you think Carolina and usually a test, and there are no easy games in the NHL, but uh, Carolina not at the top of its game right now. So I think opportunity knocking for the Vancouver Canucks on Saturday. That is next up for the Vancouver Canucks. Third shutout of the season, by the way, first for Casey DeSmith. Thatcher Demko has uh, blank slates against St. Louis and Dallas earlier this year. All right, we should mention that the GOAT, and she had her big night <laughs> at BC Place on Tuesday. Had another big night here at Rogers Arena. Looked to have some fun. Christine Sinclair brought out uh, ahead of O Canada, stood there on the carpet as uh, the anthems were sung. Huge ovation then. Uh, during the stoppage for the glass, uh, she got some more camera time. Looked like she was having some fun. The people yeah. responding to her. So, uh, you know, the farewell tour continued. We'll see if uh, she steps out of the limelight now for a little bit. But what a week for Christine Sinclair to be celebrated uh, in the two uh, buildings side-by-side, BC Place and Rogers Arena. Well, my question is, where does the statue go? I mean, you know, we have <laughs> Joe yeah. Sackick's got a road named after him. I mean, you got to think Christine Sinclair's got to have something. In, uh, well, she's got a community center. Yes, now. that's true. She does have a community center. Um, there can be more to go around. I think I think there's going to be some more. But yeah, no, I mean, look, they had 46,000 on Tuesday night at BC Place. So the attendance was pretty remarkable for her. And obviously, we everyone knows about her, her accolades. And, and I think her history here in Vancouver as well, being from here, but playing for the Whitecaps. And, you know, obviously all those games at Swangard Stadium. Hell of a career. Not, nothing bad anyone can really say about Christine Sinclair. All right, let's hear what the people have to say to our social channels at uh, Rinkwide Van. Dane says two points are simply that. Two points. And I tend to agree. Like... You know, we break this thing down in great detail, <laughs> but at the end of 82, you know, I'm not sure that this is a night that's going to uh, be remembered necessarily, but wins in November mean as much as ones uh, down the stretch and, you know, set the Canucks up for the ultimate goal, and that is uh, to make the postseason. So, yeah, take this one, move on, and be better against Carolina on Saturday. Robert says 17 shots on goal and then just says to Smith. Yeah, and we sort of talked about that, that, you know, you want to spend more time in the offensive zone, but goalies are there, and they're paid to make saves, and that's what Casey DeSmith did. Other feedback, Ryan says, would have been 4-1 mini after the first, if not for Casey DeSmith. And again, the first 10 minutes, I thought the Canucks started to, once they got the one shot on goal, the playing field started to level a little bit. But still, uh, against a better, more dangerous opponent, more firepower, uh, the Canucks could have been chasing this game without a doubt. And uh, let's just get to, Asan says, Kuzmenko's not getting out of the doghouse anytime soon. <laughs> and then in parentheses, says rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, at the morning skate, we saw that he was back in the lineup, but on a bit of a mishmash of a line with Nils Oman and Phil DiGiuseppe back in the lineup after a couple of healthy scratches. So on the surface, not really sure what you're looking for from that line. But I think Kuzmenko met the media and you know said the message had been sent and received that uh, he understood that the coach needed him to do a little bit more here. And yet you look at the box score at the end of the night, Irf, and for Andre Kuzmenko, it was 12 minutes and 15 seconds of ice time. Some of that on the power play, so just 9.05 at even strength. 
No shots on goal. Two shot attempts. They both missed the target. But here's the troubling stat, and that is that uh, at five on five with Kuzmenko on the ice, the shots were eight nothing for the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, Rick's not going to like that stat. No. No, he's definitely not going to like that stat. And even on the power play, just again, you know, he got the opportunity again to stay on that first unit and just makes it look so difficult. And and look, I understand how this is a mental game and, you know, obviously, you know, meeting with the media and doing all these things and, you know, and whatever. But it just it just looks very, very hard for him to try and do anything right now. I mean, those cross-team passes, we talked about it before on the power play. I mean, Daniel Henrik Sedin could do those with ease because they're Daniel Henrik Sedin. You know, shoot the puck. That's what they want from you if you're Andre Kuzmenko is to shoot the puck. You know, you scored 40, almost 40 goals in the National Hockey League. So you you can score. But I think for him, it's, you know, they're not going to like that stat in his own end. He did, however, have a really good back check where he did stop <laughs> a play. I mean, look, it, it was it wasn't... I, you know, I tweeted tongue in cheek, but like, I mean, it was a good back check. So, I mean, there, there is that, but yeah, that, that outshot eight zero at five on five is not going to be good. Props for the back check, yeah. but at the end of the night, we can't be hanging no. our hat on you know, one back check for him. There's got to be more. Uh, a couple of things I, I want to touch on quickly. I uh, was worried for linesman Kyle Flemington. Uh, yeah. Did not look good in that first period on the penalty kill. Quinn Hughes absolutely drilled him. And from my vantage point, directly above, like he was right up against the glass down below or way up to the 500 level. I, I could, I mean, I knew he took it up high. Uh, I have seen the replay now. Like he took that on the chops. And really it's amazing that that doesn't happen a little more often in hockey. Just when you think those guys along the boards, especially in that situation, players clearing pucks, like, you know, just trying to hammer it down the ice and uh, went down, needed some attention, but uh, was good to see him back out there for the start of the second period. Well, I think for a second, he just took his eye off the play because he went to pick up the stick that was right. broken, right? right? And then he picks it up and he, next thing you know, he's on the ground. I mean, it's good that he came back. He obviously, the medical staff here in Vancouver stitched him up and, you know, a tough hockey hockey player, a tough hockey guy. He's, he's back on the ice and, and ready to go all stitched up and, you know, it's going to leave a bruise. But yeah, obviously a scary incident and, and I agree. Like, I feel like I don't understand how linesmen don't get or lines and end referees don't get drilled way more than way more often. Kyle Flemington, by the way, was a teammate of Bo Horvat's on the London Knights. He <laughs> was playing junior not that long ago. He's a defenseman, and uh, obviously the pro hockey career didn't pan out, but he's found a way wow. to make it to the National Hockey League. And you know, we're seeing more and more of those stories that uh, one of the referees, as well in the hockey game, uh, Jordan Samuels Thomas, played in the American Hockey League not that long ago. He got to the AHL level, then traded in uh, the stick for uh, you know a whistle, a whistle and stripes, and. Uh, Working his, uh, playing his trade in the National Hockey League. Funny moment in the building. Uh, one of the stoppages of play, one of the TV timeouts, uh, the in-arena announcer had an eight-year-old kid, and they were putting things up on the Jumbotron that he would have no idea what they were. They were blasts from the past, and uh, they were asking him if he knew what they were. And, uh, you know, they've done this a few times, uh, bring out like a Walkman or that kind of, you know, whatever. Tonight, there were a few different objects, and uh, one of them was a Rolodex. He had no clue, and he actually guessed a phone book, I think, and crowd roared to that. There was a picture of, like, the Jetsons, the TV show. <laughs> he didn't know what that one was. And then they finished with just a headshot of Sylvester Stallone as Rambo. Rambo in sort of in his uh, battle mode. And they asked him if, he knew, if they knew who, who this guy was. And without skipping a beat, I think the kid's name was George. 
He says, J.T. Miller! (laughs) (laughs) And it just brought the house down. So, George, uh, props to you. I just wanted to share that. One other quick note I wanted to mention here. We're running a... And not so much a contest as an auction at Canucks Army right now. Roberto Luongo is taking his place in the Ring of Honor a week from now, next Thursday with the Florida Panthers in town. And at Canucks Army, we're auctioning off an autographed Roberto Luongo stick from his time here with the Vancouver Canucks. So you can go to Canucks Army, you can check it out, encourage you to get in on the bidding. There have been some strong bids already. We're going to keep the auction open until next Wednesday and announce the winner uh, on game day when Lou takes his spot. They've already got his plaque up there. They've got a banner over it now, and they'll unveil that next Thursday ahead of the game against the Florida Panthers. But tis the season, so if uh, it's all for charity as well. The winning bid uh, money will t- be turned over to Canucks for kids. So, uh, again, check that out at Canucks Army. Vancouver Canucks with a 2-0 victory over the Minnesota Wild uh, at home to Carolina for the third of this five-game homestand They've got uh, Tampa on Tuesday, and then Florida wraps things up next Thursday. But the Carolina Hurricanes come in here on Saturday, and we'll see how the Canucks follow up the 2-0 win over the Minnesota Wild when they take on the Canes. For Earth, this is Jeff. As always, thanks so much for listening to another edition of Rinkwide Vancouver, brought to you by Betway. 